Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space. If you think about yourself having sex with another person, what you're looking for is joy, pleasure, memories, experience. And I think a lot of times we look for those things outside of ourselves and we need to look for that stuff inside of ourselves. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey lady, it's Terry here from Cultivating Her Space. Are you tired of working hard for your money? Do you want your business to run smoothly when you're out of office? If you want to learn how to automate your business cash flow and increase your impact and influence, join me for my free workshop at brandwithterry.com. Again, that's brandwithterry.com. My name is spelled T-E-R-R-I. Hope to see you there, lady. All right, lady. Today, we have a very special guest in Cultivating Her Space. We are so excited. I'm going to do my best to contain myself. So let's just go ahead and jump on into our intro and we're going to dive into the juicy conversation. Okay. So Nina Joyner is an award-winning adult film director, author, activist, and owner of Feel More Adult, a sex shop in downtown Oakland. Nina has won two feminist porn awards for the films, Hella Brown, Real Sex in the City, and Tight Places, A Drop of Color, which have screened in countless cities across the globe. Ten years of owning Fillmore has challenged Nina, just your normal socioeconomic troublemaker, to become a community advocate and small business champion. In 2016, Nina ran a successful campaign to become a Democratic National Convention delegate and is currently a member of the DNC LGBT Caucus. Nina, welcome to Cultivating Her Space. Hey guys, thanks for having me. You are so welcome. We're so excited you're here. So am I. I Especially on this day. Yes. Come on, let's give it up. Let's give it up. Look, I ain't even pledged. I'm thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Lady, for those of you who are listening, know that what we're referencing is we are recording on Inauguration Day. And so there is just the 
a vibe and an energy and an ex- excitement with us today. What I am more excited about is this conversation that we're about to dive into. So I'm going to start us off with our quote of the day. And Nina, you will recognize this quote because this is one of yours. There's a form of sex or intimacy that you must have with yourself to bring your visions to life. That's what's up. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) I know you got to get reminded about what you say, you know. Yes. And what I'm curious about is what was the context? Like, where were you in life? What led to that beautiful quote? So what I was thinking about when I was envisioning that quote, I don't remember where I was. And I think that's what quotes are about. You know, things that remind you to find your North Star is to think about not just another person, but an act in your life and how you want your life to go. And if you think about yourself having sex with another person, what you're looking for is joy, pleasure, memories, experience. And I think a lot of times we look for those things outside of ourselves and we need to look for that stuff inside of ourselves. And so I wanted to make sure in my life that I can have that stuff myself. And it's not that I'm just talking about self-pleasuring, but I'm also talking about fulfillment and wanting to create a space for myself that I can just play. And I think that quote gives me an opportunity to play. We love it. That is absolutely amazing. And we were trying to figure out where should we dive in first because your background is so unique. I feel like you live a life and you are in a field where people talk about this kind of stuff behind closed doors and they have questions about it and they're just like, This is so dope. So tell us, how did you even get started in this sex toy industry? I honestly started selling sex toys. I got up out of a dream. I was laying in the bed and probably I was with a lover at the time. And I got out of the bed and I said, this is what I want to do. And for whatever reason, I just feel that I'm a PK. My stepfather's a PK. So going to church, I was in that routine myself, even when my parents didn't go or they disconnected from God. And it was like my safe space. And I've always had this relationship with God. And I don't, don't, you know, some people think God out there, but I'm talking about the God inside where it just manifested and it just, these thoughts, these dreams just came about and I acted upon it. And yeah, God is so funny that he wants me to sell dildos for a living. But I think that the journey that I'm on is one that's really self-revealing to see what I'm made of. And, and, and I know that selling sex toys is fun. Don't get me wrong. It has a lot of layers to it, like an onion, but the person you have to be to do certain things in life is very telling, you know, it's about the journey. It's not about the destination. So the destination is selling sex toys, but what I have to do every day to get up, I had to put things in my trunk, go sit out on the street corners, go to the parking lots in the Bay Area for y'all and get out there and talk to people who, as a person who has had sexual trauma, go back to some of those same people who looked like those aggressors and ask them to participate in something so sacred, you know? And then so every day was like, I was talking to that child in myself about it's okay. It's okay. It's a, it's not everyone. 
and learning how to let go of some of those layers that come along with being a victim, but also having been a healed victim who kind of dabs in victimhood sometimes. Oh, okay. I just have to take a moment because that was, that was beautiful on so many levels. And now I have like a ton of other questions that aren't necessarily related to the questions that we sent to you ahead of time. My biggest question right now in this moment is I want to know the work that you really did and that you, I'm sure, continue to do in regards to interacting with people who look like your aggressors. Right. It's taken me so many years to even get to talk about this part of my life. People are like, oh, what made you want to start sex, sell sex toys? And, you know, the, the, the line you'll hear from everybody is like, I wanted to make a space for women to feel welcome. Fuck y'all. It's about me. If you can't, if you can't do for you, you can't do for someone else. And you're just hoping that the goodness you want to experience for yourself can also be shared by other people. And a lot of times we want to like, I want to do this for them. I want to do this for them. No, you got to, you got to do for self first. The oxygen is for you first. The work that I had to do to, to get to that part is, you know, you have to grab onto whatever, whatever it is that feeds your soul. And for me, it was definitely God and spirituality. I did science of mind, Baptist background, but I did science of mind in the first class I ever did in the church. I would go back and volunteer at church. And I'm like, what is this? Stuff? You know, it's a space. What is this? When you keep showing up every day, things change. When you keep like your podcast, if you keep doing the same thing, things will change, you know, and it doesn't change until you just show up. It doesn't change before you get there. It changes as you, as you pass by to the next point and the next point. And for me, it was like going to church all of these days and practicing hugging people. So one of the things that we don't get to do now during COVID is touch people. We get to experience boundaries at six feet. Now we can talk to kids about boundaries at six feet. Like keep, keep, if they ain't got their mask on, don't come near you. You know, kids be like, stranger danger, they ain't got their mask on. So we're teaching kids about, in a way, about sex and uh, predatory behavior without even talking it, without really naming it. But now we can talk about those behaviors. Now they have a, a true foundation. It's not just about, president wearing a mask. It's about the president wearing a mask because now it puts into the child's mind that you're supposed to follow rules, that people are supposed to stay six feet away, that you should be doing these things and spacing and all of this. And for me to go back to church was I get to hug people every day. Every day I went back to church. It was, it was some hugging ass people. You know what I mean? Like you'd be like, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, I was smelling like patchouli and and Palo Santo, I did not want to smell like that all the time. But the fact is, if I didn't get any on me, I did not get touched that day. And did I want to not be touched or be touched? I wanted to be touched. I wanted to hug out and re-experience the dreams that I had for myself as an adult, for my child self. 
that I didn't get to experience. And so it's like, we get to do these things over and over and over again. And so in, in the sex shop, you're not just selling sex toys, but I'm, I'm getting to the experience of talking to people about sex without it feeling shameful, making them feel shameful. And also in a way that I can still keep their t- privacy without it being so descriptive when there are five or, five or 10 people, if you will, in a space at one time. You know, can you imagine talking to a male, a black male about anal in a space where these other people don't like men who do anal, you know, and be able to talk to them without being so descriptive has is giving me an opportunity. And not only that, but as my parents were both addicts, I lost my father when I was young to the crack, crack epidemic and my mother several years ago from alcoholism. And as a kid, I would always tell my parents, y'all need to, well, my mom, you needed to go to AAA. AAA was the car company, but AA is Alcoholics Anonymous. And so I had to go through those rooms, not as an alcoholic myself, but a child of an alcoholic. And to find my room, some I didn't need to go into the AA room. I needed to go into the codependent room to figure out where I was latching on to people who looked like, did like, or fed me in places that I was being fed as a child for familiarity. And so those experiences has helped me to be able to sell sex toys, keep people's privacy, because the more connected you are to community, the more opportunity you have to see the faces and also talk to you know, you, you do have an opportunity to talk about people's business, but when I leave there, I forget, you know what I mean? Like to leave it all out in the space, like it's a sacred space for me. I don't get out on the street and talk about it, y'all. We don't, my team don't get out because they got other lives, things to do in life. You know what I mean? Like you just want somebody who takes in your information. Like people, sometimes people don't know I own the store and they were like, yeah, I want the other girl. Where's she at? I'd be like, well, she going to make her interest anytime now she coming and then she comes and then I move out the way. It's not about me. It's about the people there. What I also get to learn is not about me. It's that person's comfort and just creating a space that every day I get to practice getting better and practice being a parent to my child self. What a beautiful healing journey and bringing it full circle because at the surface, people are like, oh, you sell dildos and sex toys, but it's like so much deeper than that. But can you talk about the support? Because you had support from your mother, Sharon Jones, and you said something. I So it's so dope that you opened the shop February 14, 2011. And with such a non-traditional you know, pursuit and being a PK, right? A pastor's preacher's kid. It's like, you wouldn't expect to get that much support, but your mom said something really powerful to you and said, you have nothing to lose and whatever's lost. You could always get it back. Talk about what that meant, having support for a non-traditional journey. I think one, because I lost my father so early, I didn't get those quotes or those breads of life, if you will, that would carry me through. And I think God definitely knows what they're doing. He, she, whatever. The spirit knows what it what it's doing because I was able to experience my mother up until her passing a longer time to heal our relationship as a kid, because when she moved out here to the Bay Area, I could have, one, either treated her like my child self, or two, chose to forgive her like a woman, the woman she was. And so I chose her not to be my parent, but to be a woman in my life 
who happened to be my mother and understood that what she went through with her love and some, some, some substance abuse comes along with relationships. You know what I mean? Like the codependency and doing things together. And all of a sudden one starts doing one more than the other that I'm able to disconnect from everything and allow my mother to be that friend that I needed. And she gave me those breads of life. Like I, I like right now I got her Bible quotes. You know what I mean? Like uh, the last one I was reading was Matthew 25, 1 and 13. And it was just talking about staying ready because you don't know what the hour of the day is. Like when they talk about, I know I'm talking about God and queer and all of that, but talking about staying ready for what the possibilities are. You never know when the moment is, so you have to stay ready. And, and I don't take in, she always taught me, don't think about it in a biblical sense, thinking about it in the New Testament sense of where we're living today and how you can take those principles and do better. And she just taught me that don't take it so personal. Laugh at yourself. Like I laugh at myself. I cry a lot more, you know, even being a queer person, a masculine identified, people think you can't queer. You can't, excuse me, cry. But the truth is I cry a lot and I want to cry more. I want to experience all of the emotions God gave me. We have all of these emotions that you have to experience them on your own instead of being coaxed into being something that the world says you are because the world don't care about you, but it will, it will confine you. Yes. As I'm listening to you, I am realizing like just how deep and beautiful intimacy with oneself can be and how our societal perception and expectations around sex feel so surface, feel so trivial. And the way you described your relationship with self and your journey is so beautiful. And so, so far, I've just been like really like surprised at the complexity, as I'm having this conversation, I'm thinking, like rethinking some of my own perceptions around sex and intimacy, right? And so when you think about the work that you do and the people that come into your shop, what has been the most surprising thing that you have witnessed or, or learned? Old people have a lot of sex. They have, yes, I have they one do. lady. Yes. I had, you know, downtown Oakland, a lot of people will think of if you guys are out there, wherever you are, the Bay Area, beyond, if you read about Oakland, you'll hear a lot about gentrification. Oakland is a black city. Downtown has always been a black city and a black part of Oakland. And many of the businesses and the bars that you see down there were once owned by black people. Don't forget that. And these black people still were frequent. So in the early days, not much had changed, but it started to change. And I would get a lot of black old people. And one woman came in, she came in a couple times, high heel, you know, church angles, you know what I'm talking about? They little thick cake, they don't flex no more. She would buy four bottles of flavored lubricant. I had no, I, I was just floored every time she came in, every time she came in. And I really wanted to ask her, what you doing with this, right? <laughs> but that ain't my business. And she never offered. Never asked. But to see that, let me know one, someone recognized us as a viable, viable shop. And 
that she trusted us. And her money is, and, and Black money is just as good as every, anybody else's money. And people of color are looking for luxury as well. And not just out in their city, not just outside of the city, in their city, where they live. And it's not a, a luxury that many people are thinking about as far as like a Gucci or Prada or something like that. Dignity is a luxury. Respect is a luxury. If I can give you that all day long, that's all we do all day long is give people dignity and respect. That's a luxury because a lot of people and businesses just don't get it. They don't take the time to complete the sentence with a period. They don't take the time to ask you your name. Be there consistently. We set our schedule at the stores consistently so we can have the same person. So if that's your person, you know when your person is going to be there and make sure they're there. I want people to know that when we're hiring, we're hiring for somebody for a long term to develop your clients. So maybe your, your client going to tip you $130, $100. That's nothing for the people who have it. You know, but that was a surprising thing. Another thing was I started to use a space for like the old guys coming by to help them find housing, get on a housing list because I had time. One of the things I learned from Nordstrom was they took back a set of tires, but they didn't even sell tires. So mm-hmm. I wanted our store to, to be that in the community. And if I had time, I made time. And those guys came by there to see me and check on me. So if not one customer came by, that person would come by every day and wave and say hello. So I owe that to the community for keeping me sane while we ventured through and found people who had the money to keep the door open. Talk about customer service. I mean, that is so powerful. And the schedule, when you talked about the you strategically scheduling your staff, that is amazing. Like some business owners say like, fuck y'all, whoever's here is who you're going to get. And you're like, we're going to schedule this so that you feel comfortable coming in here to buy your four packs of flavored lube. Okay. Like ain't no judgment. Yo, you can do your thing. Now I just want to be nosy because you were in the adult filmmaker industry and I, what juicy details can you tell us about that? Cause I know lady, don't be shy. If you're listening on the podcast, but you know, people indulge in porn. Tell us about that experience because many of us don't, we're not close to it. So you, you got the inside scoop. <laughs> <laughs> the inside scoop. I would say the first time, the first time I was on a porn set, because I wanted to shoot porn a long time ago, I had the, the access in the, in the skill, but I didn't, wasn't able to put the play together. I answered a Craigslist and this person was doing porn. And at the end of that, I was like, I would never do this again. When women don't want it, they know they don't want it. Like it was very, very degrading. And I, I think because I had put myself in a position, I felt just as captive. You know what I mean? It wasn't that it was a person that that person was engaging with. It was, it was a, it was a cucumber. You can use fruit for in vegetables for whatever, but it was the commands. It was the, the setting and everything that made the moment more redemptive for me to do better the next time. You know, one out, like I said, just a small female body in comparison, people were there. You're like, do I say no? Can I say no? What are the risks of saying no? Like a lot of times we want to say no. We want to say no in those situations, but the risk comes along with the risk of saying no, you know, and how do you keep your body safe? Like we can come out with a couple scars, but we don't want to get wounds. You know what I mean? But from there, I started to work with other queer people, started to find out more about porn and sitting in on sets. 
And one of the best adult film sets I sat in on was uh, Diana DeVoe. She's old school, still beautiful. I love this lady just because I fell in love with her because she never said anything on camera that I can remember. (laughs) But I saw her at an adult film convention in Las Vegas and she was fully clothed and just like this goddess. You know what I mean? Like it just gave me this extra layer of respect. And when I got an opportunity to talk to her, she was actually doing her own film production company. And a lot of people will say, yeah, I'm doing porn to get people to do it. But her husband at the time, I think her husband, he was shooting porn. So his, his thing was like, 13 inches. Johnny Depp is his name. And she would, I went over their house because I was shooting my own porn. I needed somebody to help me. And she was like, come on down. But I learned so much from her. One, you can shoot in your home, have a beautiful house, but also use it in the form of business. So porn probably is one of the most original at home businesses there is. And they had somebody in between scenes, you know, the guy would go down, he would get soft, they bring in somebody else, or, you know, he'd get it up and then it's a cut. Maybe go to the next scene, it's a cut, it's going to the next scene. But on the sets that I was on, very serious. They took it serious and they were very professional in it. And she was very ethical in shooting the porn to make sure that the person, I felt confident in being in that room. I want to be in rooms where, and I I suggest anybody who wants to do porn, either if you're doing it for yourself, you don't have to work for nobody no more. You can do it for yourself. You can put your own place together with OnlyFans and other sites, but be in rooms where your no is, is, is taken into consideration. You know, some of the porn that's put out there, you can get a sense for what it's like behind the camera. Sometimes you can't. But the whole thing is you hope that everybody has said yes to being a part of it. You know, and that's that's where the government comes in to make sure that everybody out there should be doing porn at an age they should be doing porn. But yeah, I, I just got to tell you, like, one of the things in porn that I really like is going to the conventions. This week I'm online in a convention. Last week I was online in a convention where we were up for Best Retail Boutique and Experience. We won it before. We won an ABM before in Best Retail Boutique. I've been nominated in a couple categories on Best Marketing Campaigns for our billboards that we've done two times. And I'm really excited because I don't think a brown person, a black, I'll say a black person, has won that award. And I think Candy Burr's her company was listening there, even though she's a face of that company. But if I can win that marketing award, it would mean a lot. And as a the business who first won the adult boutique, then someone else winning the adult boutique, that matters for me because now it's like other people get an opportunity to be in there. But porn is very boring to shoot. It's very exciting to see to watch. And for all those out there, you don't have to go through the the regular channels of porn anymore. Like that stuff doesn't exist much anymore. It's like really cam girls, only fans, like to be in someone's car and all of a sudden they start doing something like that was unheard of back in the day. You know, now it's people are just doing it where they can to make the content, to make it look different, to keep it salacious, to keep it funny, to keep it out of sight. So people are like, oh my God, y'all see this? Like, you know, like Miss B Nasty is one of the top ones out there on OnlyFans. And she helps me sell a lot of sex toys because I can repurpose her content and it helps me on social media to sell products that I have. So there, it's a whole ecosystem out there. You know, my favorite is Pornhub. 
can I say? Yes, I appreciate this in-depth behind the scenes information around what we're watching when we are consuming porn. So I want to shift it just a little bit. So you've talked about consent. You've talked about boundary setting and you've talked about still engaging in sexual pleasure as an elder. What else would you say are the priorities for healthy sexual expression? That's a good one. That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Priorities for healthy expression. I would just say good mental health, number one. You got to be in a good space, good space. Number two, positive body image, positive body image about yourself. Making sure that you're confident wherever you are, because where you are is still beautiful. Just accepting that and then fucking the shit out yourself. I would say three is disconnecting from the world. Disconnecting from the world. I would say those three. Yeah. Mental health, positive body image, and disconnecting from the world. Uh, A lot of us used to use our homes for sex, and now we just use it for podcast creation and everything else. Like my partner's in the other room right now. She's teaching a class, uh, and she's a professor at a school teaching a class. Like, yo, like, what part does it become fun in your home, you know? So, you know, just carving out that space as well to be sexy and to turn off, turn off from the world. Yeah, for sure. Those are so great. And lady, I hope you're taking note as you're listening to the podcast because those are really powerful too. I don't think we think about that often. Like, how do I express myself sexually in a healthy way? Now, one thing we haven't talked about on the podcast, Nina, that I think you could provide a lot of insight into is decriminalizing sex workers. Mm-hmm. I know that we live, I feel like we live in such a judgy environment when it comes to sex workers and people are just, people seem to be very bothered by how other people live their lives. But can you just talk to us about what is sex work and just a fresh perspective on sex work in general for those of us that may not really understand it? If you marry, you're a sex worker. You're a waitress, you're a sex worker. (laughs) If you're trying to get the postman to get a letter out the mailbox that you shouldn't have dropped in there after hours, you're a sex worker. And I'm only saying that there is some sarcasm, but truth in there because there is an exchange. I think America has criminalized everything that brings in extra revenue under the, the sun, right? You know, drugs is always bad, you know, depending on the schedule. Once was cocaine and weed. Now it's just cocaine, heroin, opium, all of that stuff. And weed is okay. I think you can't dissect sex from a body. You have to, it's either sex or it ain't sex. You know, you either getting paid, if you're getting paid and you're exchanging space and time, they call that sex work. But sex work has been criminalized more black women. Black men have been criminalized around sex work because we've been hosed, we've been on the stroll, we've been pimped. We, you know what I mean? Like the the whole the whole ecosystem around black sexuality as a whole has been criminalized. And I heard you can lynch a man in the media without even calling him nigga. So we've been criminalized, even though we ain't got no money, we ain't never went to jail for. You never seen somebody in prison for prostituting, but just for pimping, 
you know, but when it comes to the counterpart of white people versus people of color, the ecosystem that they fit into tends to be escorts, sex workers, you know, a little bit more positive, authoritarian, independent word vocabulary, like you work for yourself, you know, this, this Ashante, this, this extreme level of upper echelon. And, and we can thank the eighties for that. You know, you had call girls and hookers. Those were the two names at the time. Everybody wanted to be a call girl, but you have to be beautiful, this, this, this. But I, I appreciate technology equalizing sex work in that kids have access to technology. There's a form of there's a form of prostitution that starting earlier. It used to be a lot of women and men grooming kids to do that. The internet can groom it just as simple as just an article. Like it's it's so easy. Like I look at people, I was like, I talked to my sister, I was like, is she is your is your daughter is she out there hoeing? And I was serious. I'm in a sex world. Am I going to sugarcoat it? I have to ask these things because it's possible. It's possible how kids are moving these days. And that's not a slight to her motherhood. She was kind of taken aback as I asked that. But I'm like, I have sex workers in my family. So what, do you want me to put her with somebody? Because if she wants to use herself like that, I'm going to support her. If she's going to know that there's clinics out there, get her health care, what she can do with her money. Like there are people out there in your families that can tell you how to how to do these things. And so let's stop being afraid of getting paid for free shit we've taken from us for a long time. You go to work, you do work, you get a, you want to raise, right? You want to be paid accordingly, right? People go out and sit with people they don't really like. They want to get paid, too. Just because someone is just sitting with someone and not having sex is all called sex work because it's easy work. If you want to degrade what's easy. I know I know women out there who are doing $1,500, $2,000, $3,000. You see the internet. You see the rappers. You see the conversations that are happening. Do they want to go out and get a minimum wage job? I think not. Do they want to get a corporate job? And these are the women who are going to cons at film festival, you know, no, they don't. These are certain type of people who want to do this. And that's a certain type of people, person. I totally support it. I think it's attractive. I think it's beautiful when a person can decide to go to that extreme. Cause I knew it would kind of work. It took me just to get to the point of selling sex toys. The shame that comes along with it. Like I just sell sex toys. They'd be like, Oh, that's that sex you know, she sells sex toys or saying stuff behind my back and stuff like that. I can only imagine what hoes, professional hoes go through. It's a it's a real thing. And so any woman out there, any man out there, I applaud you for doing it. Do it safely. Put your own place together. You don't need nobody to be your agent because technology can do all the things you need done for it. And I'm an advocate for it, you know, but the criminalization, if you can't circumvent, you know, certain level of black community dealing with sex work and technology ain't talking about criminalization. They're like, we're going to jump on this side and do this. And we're going to put this play together. Things are still happening, but for everybody else it's criminalization because you're blocked in a certain way. Some people are just circumventing, doing different things and putting different plays together. Okay, so you said a lot, Nina, and I was just like, oh my gosh. So the thing I can imagine that folks are thinking as they listen, while some are like, yo, 
I'm with it. I get it. I support that. I support that. I'm an advocate. I can see some people like, well, I don't want my daughter doing that. You probably already think of, well, she already doing something, but I don't want my daughter doing that. Or, you know, what about having dignity and being, you know, doing this and that? I guess, what is your feedback for folks that are like anti-sex work in the world where it's presented in our face and it's here? We got to play devil's advocate because I know someone's like, y'all, what's going on here? You know? They're like, oh, hell no. I'm going to drop this podcast. Or somebody like, oh, yo, y'all got to watch this. Y'all got to listen to this. Okay. <laughs> I think the devil's advocate is like, you know, save your child if you can save your child. You know what I mean? Do things, be that hero for your child so that that child looks at you as a reflection of who they want to be. Right. But then there are some kids who don't have a mother or a father or a good parent or a stable household. Who are they supposed to reflect? You know, and so they reflect their environment and some people just choose. Some people say, you know what? I got my pension coming. I got time. I ain't got to do nothing, but he can rub my feet and I'm getting 10 G's and a plane ticket out of it to come back and forth and no sex. Like, why not? I'm telling you, I'm looking for somebody to come pay me. Who I get, I get is tushy too. (laughs) Look. Hey, is somebody going to pay me thirty, forty thousand? Because that's my price. If you can get to that price in cash, cashier's check, we can talk. And I'm not playing with it either. It's It takes a lot in a woman to or a person to get to that level to want to do sex work. It takes a mental journey. It takes detachment from the exterior, from people and what they're going to say. You know what I mean? But as you see a lot of people who are who are loud and proud about being sex workers, they're they're paying their own bills, they're doing very well, and they're also reinvesting their money. And this is what I say too. You're looking at a profession that is a stopping point along the journey. I ain't never met no oh ho. Like, <laughs> like if y'all can find me, I'm going to Europe, so I know it's a lot more old hoes over there in the United States. But somebody somewhere is doing something to get something. Think about a lot of the strippers in Atlanta. Those are sex workers, too. I don't know what else they do, but those are a form of sex work. Those women are in the strip clubs, meeting, contacting rappers, legitimate business people to get to a different level. Do you think they don't have to go back out and dance? Some of them might have to dance, but guess what? Now they're getting thirty, forty thousand dollars just to dance versus a rapper who gets thirty, forty thousand dollars to sit on stage and say a couple songs. So what's the difference? Why does a man get to or someone in rap gets to use misogyny? And the same lyrics unattached to a person to sell bodies and talk about bodies. And then I'm going to go out and do it. And I'm looked at in any less. And I know we got to have the save and sanctified, you know, level. You, you, you got the mulatto Instagrams. You got the Anna Douglas Instagram. She does everything on church. You know what I'm saying? Love the lady. Everybody has a journey. You know what I mean? Like everybody has a step in life. And so there are some people who used to be former drug dealers. Some be, some people used to form former crackheads now devoted their life to Christ. And you you got to use something to get you out. But don't de- demonize and condemn the people who are in a spot that you don't want to be in and think it's illegitimate because they are somewhere that you're not and they're not somewhere close to Christ. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's that's the problem for me. Like. You got, you got, when you're dealing with sex work, you're dealing with your community and you're dealing with the law. 
you know, and a lot of times if we talk about the law and we ain't even gotten to that part, but we deal a lot of 80%, 90% around what our community is going to say around sex work before we get to the law. Oh, I mean, Nina, you have just dropped us so many gems, so much knowledge. And I'm so appreciative of this. I think that no matter what journey our listeners may be on, I think that there was something for everybody in this conversation that we had this evening. Praise God. I have one more question. You are often interviewed. What is something that people do not ask you about? that you wish people would ask you about? Because you're just like, I just wish people would ask me this because I need to get into this conversation. What was my first hustle? Well, okay. we got to ask. You right? know we gotta, you know, what was your first hustle? <laughs> Tell us about that first hustle. <laughs> when I was a kid, I would sell candy in school. I did very well. And as a teenager, I actually sold drugs. Yeah, I was I was out there in the street and I had a I had a I had a dream. You know, guys told me to sell dildos, told me to stay out the streets. I was going to go to jail. He was out in the streets. Yeah. But selling something different. OK, that was your first hustle. That is so interesting. So we went from candy to drugs to the dildos. So you cleaned up your life. <laughs> Thanks to God. Nina, this was such an insightful conversation. And it was so good that we skipped our OU Clatchet segment. So we may have to have you back on so we could dive into that another time. But we really wanted to dive into that conversation around the sex workers because it's something we haven't talked about. You provided a fresh perspective on that. And so we really appreciate you. So we want to let our listeners know where they can find you and connect with you, buy them some sex toys, get a copy of them porns that you already you know, released. So tell us where they can connect with you. Hey, guys, you can connect with us at our Oakland store or our Berkeley store. We have two locations now. We're on all social media at Fillmore Adults, and they'll drop that in the show notes, and also at Fillmore510.com. I'm also on Clubhouse. You know, what What else is there to do? Then, as JT called it, she called it a walkie-talkie. So, yeah, that's where you guys can pick it up. We, we deliver in the Bay Area, Postmates. We Postmate our products to you. you know, Same-day delivery, we get it to you. And I just want to say thank you guys for providing me this opportunity. I hope you don't lose listeners because of this episode. And make sure you guys follow me as well um, through Feel More Adult on Instagram. Definitely Instagram. I got to get my Instagram and Twitter because I got to get my followers up. Thank you so much. We will definitely add those links in the show notes. We had such a great time. And thank you for all that you do for the community, Nina. Thank you, guys. Hey, lady. It's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Do you have a burning question you're dying to get feedback on? Do you want an unbiased perspective on a situation you're facing? If so, visit cultivatingherspace.com and click Ask Dr. Dom under the Start Here option. Every Tuesday, I'll choose a few questions and answer them at random. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health. 
but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website, cultivatingherspace.com, and be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I am aligned with my inevitable outcome. We'll see you next week, lady.